Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, a church that desires to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in the Harrisburg region. Sermon B-Sides is designed to be a resource to help us deepen the conversation about this week's sermon and answer questions that may be helpful to accomplish our purpose. Well, hey, good morning to you. My name is John Robinson. I serve as one of the pastors here at Liberty Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And my name is Matt Luloyan. Good morning to you. Good to have you with us. We took a week off last week uh, after we celebrated uh, Liberty Network Sunday. Yes. And um, now we're launching the Book of Acts. The Book of Acts. Yeah. I we're mean, getting into it. Before we even get to that, though, John, you look a little extra peppy this morning. I You're... am excited. Uh, another another title for Goodness gracious. the new title town USA, My Tampa gosh. Bay. Yeah, Tampa, as it was Tom, referred to. Tampa, Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah. no, man, it was. Uh, we were we were really excited as uh, as the Bucks won their second Super Bowl and uh, yeah, man. Brady won his seventh. And it was it was just it was. Uh, we were talking last night about like um, the stat that Tom Brady has been in twenty percent of all Super Bowls. It's ridiculous. I still am. I'm still not a believer. I'm still not. I'm still a hater. I'm still a Brady hater. Like he's he does continue to prove me wrong that he is he is the goat. But uh, I'm just a bitter Philadelphia fan, reserving uh, the right to sure. I, I I stopped short of throwing throwing batteries and you know, Santa. battery packed snowballs at people. You know, I'm not quite there, but not quite there. But I still have That's a little good. bit of that in me. So oh, good. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I'll uh, I'll revel in this because it'll probably be very short lived. Well, so. that's that's probably true. <laughs> uh, oh, but yeah, yeah. we're uh, we're kicking off Acts, and uh, really looking forward to that. We're going to cover the first half or so, the first seventeen chapters, I think it is, between now and the end of May. Yeah, take a little bit of a break uh, and do a summer in the Psalms, which mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to as well. But then uh, then launching right back in to Acts in September uh, up through Advent. So we'll get to all twenty eight chapters of Acts uh, in two different parts. Uh, John, you and, yeah. and your crew, the, the folks that were contributors and, and helped you put a put a great Bible study guide together. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't picked up one of those uh, from here at church, uh, or you'd like us to send one to you, if you haven't been able to come by the building in a while, let us yeah. know. Be happy yeah. to get one of those to you. Uh, helpful resource to use as we walk through the study. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I'll just, got, I'll do a quick shout out though to oh, this yeah. crew. Yeah, so please like, do. Yeah, Elise yeah. Dolsager did yeah. all of our editing. Yep. Of the um, of the guides, make sure that our grammar was was good and and things were actually you know right where they needed to be. <laughs> uh, Abby King did some contributions in there. Yeah. Rachel Dimsky some contributions on, on how to study and, and some methods there. That's awesome. Uh, grateful for that. And uh, your and designer this, friend this down in uh, yeah. Florida as well. Yeah, one of our former uh, youth youth group students yeah. is our graphic designer. And yep. So yeah, Lexi did a great job again, kind of incorporating some of the the graphics. And so it's a it's a hearty Bible study. Yeah. We're it's a year long, so it's it's a little bit thicker than than what we typically produce. It but is, we we but... we pushed out a year's worth of Bible study uh, materials in. Yeah, you know, in about a month and a half. So it's it's great, man. It's well done. It's um, it's going to be a great resource, and even having both parts together in one mm-hmm. place uh, for those of you that hang out with us and study Acts with us through the entirety of 2021, you'll have a great thing you can put on your shelf and keep the insights and notes um, that God brings to to your mind and mm-hmm. um, hopefully applies to to your life uh, more and more yeah. through our through our study. Absolutely. 
And also, uh, we got a couple of them uh, yesterday, which is great, but um, now that we're back into a, a more regular series, this is always the case, but we want to use the B-Side podcast um, to answer questions that you have. Mm-hmm. So questions that you have from the sermon, from your reading, from your studying of this book, mm-hmm. uh, email them to myself or to John or to any one of our staff team members. They'll get them to us. We'd love to cover as many of those questions as we can yeah. when we do these. Yeah, and um, they don't have to be for the week of. You can refer back to as groups will meet um, after the sermon is is preached. Obviously, we'll be preaching a new sermon the the next week, but we would love to even as you talk about that and questions come up in your group, email us and uh, if there's if there's something that we can help answer. Uh, not that we have all the answers, but we will. If we don't know them, we will find out or try to have at least a smart aleck response <laughs> to to the question. So. We're not usually short on words. We can find some something to say. We've had response. to create a podcast just for <laughs> the extra content that that we that we tend to produce naturally. Yeah, yeah. So. There are going to be some some tough questions that come up in the Book of Acts yeah. uh, as well, so that um, we. We fully uh, prepare and expect uh, for those, too. So happy to, yeah. happy to be helpful. Well, hey, let's jump into one of those questions yeah. right now, man. Uh, question came in, uh, you know, long-time listener. Not even first-time Not caller. even first-time caller. Yeah. I mean, the Carvellas have been really great in sending questions uh, and grateful for them, the ways that they think about these things. Um, one from each. One from Bob, one from Gretchen. Um this is the first one, and I don't know which, who sent this one in, which one sent this in, but uh, it says, uh, you reference prescriptive and descriptive text in today's sermon. Uh, my question is, who decides when a text is prescriptive versus descriptive? Is its context and comprehension with the rest of Scripture? I can see folks declaring passages one way or the other that fit what they want to say uh, Scripture teaches. And you, you rightly see that, and that does happen a lot. People yeah. do take whatever they want to be prescriptive and whatever mm-hmm. they want to be descriptive. It's actually one of the, um, it's actually one of the, the criticisms of the Christian faith, um, more Particularly so from Protestantism, the, yeah, and, yeah, and more so from the Old Testament, where people say, yeah. "Well, you're just picking and choosing what, right. what what's moral, right, right. what's morality that's still mm-hmm. binding, and what's what's morality that's not." That's mm-hmm. that's kind of a bigger question there. Um, yeah, the so context comparison with the rest of scripture that's really important. The other piece I think that's really key is what type, what literary genre mm-hmm. it, are we are we dealing with? So, mm-hmm. if it's narrative, if it's if it's recounting a story, which mm-hmm. many of the gospels are, many mm-hmm. of much of much Acts of Acts is yes. is it's you we should be really slow um, and really only if there if it is referenced other places in scripture should we take prescriptive things out of narrative? Mm-hmm. There, there can be some principles that, that you see show up in other places of Scripture where you start to put together prescriptive principles for how the church does things mm-hmm. and how, mm-hmm. um, how the body of Christ is formed and, and grows. But if it's narrative, if it's a narrative genre, um, most of the time read that as a, a description, descriptive, mm-hmm. um, and see that it was something that God did there without Mm-hmm. necessarily translating that to become a prescriptive thing. Mm-hmm. If, on the other hand, it's didactic teaching, that's like the fancy you know, seminary word for it, didactic sure. teaching, uh, where it clearly is prescriptive. So yeah. a lot of the epistles in the New Testament, mm-hmm. a lot of Paul's letters, mm-hmm. some of what the, there's a lot of speeches in Acts. So that's right. where the speeches in Acts, there's 
32, uh, by different counts, there's 20, some, some people count 28, some people count 32 different sermons or speeches in the book of Acts, roughly. That was, that's a really impressive statistic that you just pulled. I've been the reading a lot, man. I've been reading a lot the last few weeks. Uh, a third of the entire book of Acts is actually speeches or sermons. Mm, and so mm. when we're in the speeches and the sermons parts of Acts, that's a lot more didactic teaching, right, right. in which case you're going to pull a lot more prescription from mm-hmm. that, especially when... Um, the sermon or the speech is addressing mm-hmm. followers of Christ. Right, right. Um, well, like Peter's Peter's vision of of the unclean foods that he you know should now is yep. is okay for them to receive. Yep. You know, there's a parallels between like the Gentiles be, being unclean and then coming into the the family of God. But there is That's there's right. aspects where that addresses some Old Testament um, you know purity laws and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So so you know those are kind of the, some of those things that we need to look at and go okay is it. Is this prescriptive or descriptive? That's this right. is this is obviously prescriptive mm-hmm. um, because it does change some of the the ways in which Old Testament law is um, is now kind of brought into New Covenant. That's right. Uh, with Christ, it also has a, a secondary meaning um, that is important for us to understand, which is descriptive in a way. So there's there's some of that that, that exists in. Um, in in Acts in particular, that's right. that'll be helpful for us to even lay out. But that's a that's a really good question because, uh, especially in in our day and age in which um, people tend to rely on their own uh, feelings and interpretations of Scripture, yeah, uh, you can you can go really kind of crazy mm-hmm. with like descriptive and prescriptive kind of stuff where we yeah. don't. We don't match things up against scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't understand literary genres. Yeah. Uh, we don't understand church history and how the, the church has interpreted these things over the course of time. Yeah. Right. So these are all resources, which is why Bible studies are so important for yeah. us to not study uh, in an isolated uh, way, but to study as uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ to go, hey, look, am, am I right in seeing this this way? Yeah. And I think the Spirit of God works in groups of people who are studying Scripture to, to help us refine, uh, understand, grow, mm-hmm. uh, also to correct error. Yeah. Right? Because we, yeah, no doubt, I, I've had crazy thoughts before in reading through Scripture. Like, yeah. what, is this, what does this really mean? So, yeah. like, um, going through some of these things, going back to some commentaries and going, oh, this is this is what the the text is saying mm-hmm. here. And like, because yeah. I'm reading my own, and what we do is we, we typically read our own life experiences and where we're at and mm-hmm. things that we're struggling with. We try to read that into scripture as opposed to letting scripture yeah. you know, read that over us. Yeah, right. that's right. So, and it'll, so the, 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 the one you referenced from Acts 10 and 11, Peter, the, mm-hmm. the sheet being lowered from heaven and all kinds of food on it. God saying to Peter in this vision, get up, kill and eat. Mm-hmm. That's a great example, too. So where you've got God saying to Peter, get up, kill and eat. Um, but also it gets fleshed out in the rest of the New Testament about some of those cleanliness laws. And even most mm-hmm. specifically, you have in Mark's gospel and Mark 7, Jesus himself saying uh, do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since mm-hmm. it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? And then Mark, uh, who is Peter's companion, you know, an apostle. John, John Mark. John Mark, yep. Yeah. He um, he parenthetically then includes in the gospel, thus Jesus declared all foods clean. Mm-hmm. So you've got there a statement that um, that is a lot more clear than just the narrative. If we just mm-hmm. had a vision that Peter had, we could still apply that that principle, but the... 
um, the clarity of, of Scripture, mm-hmm. uh, seeing all of Scripture, the whole counsel of God yeah. attesting to the same thing gives right, us right. a lot more confidence Absolutely. that like, this is a binding prescriptive mm-hmm. thing, not just a... Yeah, and Paul, a Paul goes on later to even expound on that, and yep. I forget which one of the epistles that he does that in. But, yeah. but like that's, yeah. So yeah. it is something that we can, and we are seeing things mm-hmm. as we read the narrative of Acts. We are seeing things... Um, from a from a you know 21st century perspective, we've we've mm-hmm. read the New Testament, we've read uh, you know Paul's uh, epistles, we've yep. heard preaching on all of these things, yep. and the timeline in which all this stuff develops is is different within the timeline of Acts itself. And That's so, right. Um, there's some things that we can assume, like yeah. that that instance, you know that you know Peter's Peter's vision. Um, we can assume the conclusion without the mm-hmm. the process in which it took for yeah. really us to understand the, the the fullness of what that means. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And there's, I mean, an example from Acts one yesterday, um, the Acts one eight, the the Great Commission that Jesus gives about his apostles being witnesses from Jerusalem mm-hmm. to Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Mm-hmm. So you know what's prescriptive and what's descriptive mm-hmm. in that. I think the the biggest thing is is just recognize where we as 21st century North Americans are in that in that paradigm mm-hmm. in that scope of things yeah. which we are you know in the apostles minds beyond the ends of the earth yeah. if you if you start there there still is the binding like to the ends of the earth there's not a there's not a finality to like and then once the ends of the earth are reached then it's well there is finality to that where Jesus says in his gospel, like, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations and then the end will come. Mm-hmm. But clearly the end has not come yet. We haven't seen Christ return in mm-hmm. the same way he ascended yet. Yeah. And so there still is a prescription to continue. Mm-hmm. But rather than make it so prescriptive that we go like, okay, well, what's my Jerusalem? What's my Judea? What's my... Right, I, right. I, that's not bad. That's not a very damaging kind of principle application right. to take from it. My point yesterday was just we, we also have a tendency to love to insert ourselves into the center of things mm-hmm. in Scripture mm-hmm. where we're not always meant to be there. Mm-hmm. And where a beautiful place to see ourselves in that, because that's where we really are, is we are the ends of the earth mm-hmm. whom the gospel has reached, praise God. And we get to then from the ends of the earth to continue to take the gospel to the other ends of the earth that have not right. yet been yeah. reached. And that's the there's a way then in that to not make this arrogant error that we love to make as individual North American Protestants that says, you know, it begins with us. And right. thank God we're here because we're the ones that, like, no, like, see see this massive mm-hmm. uh, work of God planned from before the foundations of the world that yeah. you've gotten swept up into. And then mm-hmm. you've, got, you've got your life to give to the continuing mm-hmm. of that mission that God's been on for right. so many generations. Yeah. I mean, even just kind of throw some some stats out there the joshua project is a is a missions organization that yeah, we resource. were we're um very supportive of i think their their work is is great but they've they've summarized people groups yeah um and in the world you know to the ends of the earth is not just geographic it mm-hmm. is it is two people mm-hmm. um that there are seventeen thousand four hundred thirty three people groups and they're people that have not Heard the gospel would be considered unreached people, right? There are seven thousand four hundred and seven unreached people groups. Wow! Wow! So the percentage of unreached people groups is forty two point five percent. Does it say right there too? Population, population wise, yeah. so population yeah. of unreached people yeah. is three point two three billion people have wow. not heard the gospel. 
Wow. That's like, I mean, it's half roughly. Yeah. I mean, it will. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's in essence, a third. Okay. Um, wow. It's, you know, it's, it's 41%. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's a, more than a third, but yeah. um, it's, yeah, it's, it's an incredible statistic. And, yeah. and uh, we were, we were talking even, I think on Saturday when we were meeting, um, you know, that, that 1040 window, yeah. you know, yep. you look at the, uh, um, the parallels um, mm-hmm. that exist between the the ten forty window is, mm-hmm. is kind of like this massive group of of, of people groups, massive yeah. region where people groups exist that are, are primarily unreached. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, it extends there like across North Africa into mm-hmm. the Middle East, into parts of Asia, and yep. it's yeah, it's um, yeah, a huge percentage of that of those three billion people I think mm-hmm. live in that yeah. in that window. Yeah, it's it's and, and that is that is a, a missional thrust, hmm. right? It is a missional thrust for us to fulfill the Great Commission, mm-hmm. right? To do that, I think sometimes where we um, we hyper spiritualize that, and mm-hmm. groups can hyper spiritualize that, is like we are going to usher in the kingdom, right? Right? Jesus's return, yeah. Right? Not maybe not the kingdom, but like we're going to usher in Jesus's return, right? when that last people group is reached. Right. Like and all of a sudden like now we have an involvement in, in yeah. saying like Jesus come back now, ready? Yeah. Go. That's right. Um Right, because so. we don't I mean, as much as the Joshua project is super helpful and we'd encourage you to look at it, Jesus didn't give us the number seventeen thousand whatever people right. groups. So yeah. like we're that's that's our human effort taking what was clear in scripture and trying to put mm-hmm. some and I think, codify it or something. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and in a good way, and try to yeah. say like, okay, let's let's try to wrap our minds around this so we can pursue the Absolutely. task that's unfinished. Statistics are helpful. I mean, yep. Yep. Let's use statistics yep. and, and see that as as the the thrust of our hearts to go. There are people who have never heard the good news, mm-hmm. the sal- you know, the salvific news yeah. of, of Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whose destinies right now are are to live in eternity <clears throat> apart from God? Yeah, that's and right. that should compel us to mission. Mm-hmm. Um, but it shouldn't compel us to mission for the sake of like now my effort's going to usher in Jesus's return. Yep. Um, I think there's some 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 conflict there of motivation. Yeah, that's um, right. No, that's that's well well put, and it's. Um, yeah, and it makes me excited just to continue on in the in the book of Acts and right. see that expansion and and see how we can be a part and what what better thing to be part of with our lives from our church's involvement in this mm-hmm. to see um, to see that unfinished task. You know, yeah. I love I love the simplicity of Luke's eschatology of his mm-hmm. view of the end times, where yeah. it's just yeah. like it's going to happen. <laughs> Christ right. will come right. again. Right. And there is more in Scripture to that. There is the Book of Revelation, which is which is you know God inspired, and it is without error. It's an original form. So we want to deal with Revelation as well too. But we can get so bogged down in the like specifics of how, when, what's this thousand year reign of mm-hmm. Christ? Is that is that a literal thing or not a literal thing? Um, that we that we you know, I, I think it's it's it's. Um, it's certainly true that if what we're preoccupied with is when, we're asking the wrong mm-hmm. question. 
Right. And we're, we're, we're using our lives and our thoughts and our minds and our energy is consumed by the wrong things. Our, our right. energy should be consumed by, I would much rather a person do a deep dive in the Joshua Project mm-hmm. and learn something about thousands of these unreached people Absolutely. groups and try to be part of mobilizing or going themselves to those people groups as opposed to creating a chart and trying to predict things and trying to put current events into a certain paradigm of revel like that let's stop mm-hmm. let's stop wasting our, our time truly on that there's so yeah. much other better ways to use our time yeah um, actually doing the work of, of reaching people that's right and and we really honestly don't need to even go to the ends of the earth I, I think one of the beautiful things of, of of how God is working is he's bringing unreached people groups to the United States that's right even particularly here in, in the Harrisburg region yeah we're seeing people from that 1040 window show up in our neighborhoods. Yeah, um, they are our neighbors. They are, um, you know, classmates with our children. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in our community, and they need to hear the gospel. Yeah, we we just got to hear John a couple weeks ago some some um, stories, and we're trying to figure out how to help champion this and be part of what in whatever way we can. There are even pastors. Um, being raised up in Nepalese and Bhutanese and other communities here in Harrisburg. We have pockets of folks from those nations that have Mm -hmm. ended up here in central Pennsylvania and trying to help now resource those pastors to be able to shepherd people that they already are in relationship with Mm -hmm. and and seeing churches partner together to do that in our region and and, and by and in so doing reach people from the ends of the earth even in in one location would just be an incredible thing. So we're there's, there's great organizations out there. The one we've been in touch with is called Training Leaders International. So we're, we're excited about the prospect of, yeah. of seeing this, this play out even in our own backyard. It's an incredible opportunity. Um, and and we're, like we said, we're, we're hoping to, to get some more information out to you guys about how you can be involved, how you can support that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, let's continue, Matt. Yeah, it's uh, another great our, question. Our time is ticking. we got another, right. we got another yep. great question. Yep. Uh, do you have an opinion on the view I have heard that the selection of Matthias as the twelfth apostle was yet another instance of Peter acting impetuously, uh, as he was prone to, and uh, that Jesus personally chose the twelfth apostle as he personally chose the other apostles when he appeared to Saul, then Paul, on the road to Damascus? Well, so. I have op- lots of opinions about everything, so I feel like I feel like that's yeah, a loaded like question. Give, give, sure. your, give your top three opinions about <laughs> this question. No, that's a great question. Um, I uh, this came up in some of the study and reading in preparation for this series and for Acts one in particular. Certainly, Peter does act impetuously, um, and sure. even after he, even after the Holy Spirit comes. Um, so um, Galatians 2, for example, is an example where Peter also is like prone to just do the wrong thing. Yeah, prone to yeah. be even... He's you know, showing partiality to Jews. and Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he is far from perfect even when he becomes that rock on which Christ will build his church. Even, even when he um, takes on this leadership role of the early church and has the spirit come upon him, he still makes errors. So yeah. certainly it, it wouldn't be because Peter is, is you know, um, is immune to making the wrong call and decisions. Mm-hmm. But I don't think this was a case of him acting impetuously. I don't think he did the wrong thing here. I think actually um, it seems like he was taking every precaution to not be impetuous in that there was a, a clearly established criteria of the people that could be mm-hmm. uh, an apostle, 
with them. They had to be someone who was a resurrection, a, a witness of the resurrection, mm-hmm. and who was with them from the time uh, John baptized Jesus in the Jordan River mm-hmm. until Jesus ascended to mm-hmm. heaven. That, at the right. end of Acts 1, those, that's the criteria that's, criteria that's laid out right. there. Also, um, so collectively together, it wasn't just Peter, so mm-hmm. which is great. There's, a, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, yeah. and the apostles together put forth yeah, as they, the other ten. Yeah. Two, yeah, two, two people, Joseph and Matthias. And then there was this moment of prayer where they clearly are saying, Jesus, you are the knower of, of hearts. You, you do need to be the one to choose. It can't mm-hmm. just be us choosing. I mean, mm-hmm. there's human means here that we're taking to try mm-hmm. to discern who it is that you have yep. chosen, yeah. but you have to be the one, Jesus, to, to, to choose the replacement. Mm-hmm. And so they put forward these two that fit this criteria. It's a wisdom and abundance of counselors. And then they cast lots for the last time in all of Scripture that we see mm-hmm. lots being cast and the lot falls to Matthias. Here's where I think some of that, because I, I, that is a that is at least a line of thinking out there that actually Paul should have been the twelfth apostle. Right. They should have just yeah. waited. Um, it would have been another several years, but they, they should have waited till mm-hmm. till Paul became an apostle and he would have been the the twelfth. Yeah. Um, couple things I think that kind of throw a wrench in the gears of that line of thinking. One is Paul's own perception of himself. Mm-hmm. So what we'll see throughout the book of Acts, Luke is a traveling companion of Paul, mm-hmm. and it becomes pretty evident in the way that Luke writes about Paul. Paul is Luke's hero. Mm-hmm. I mean, Luke mm-hmm. loves yeah. Paul, and rightfully, there's just a ton to love about the guy. Yeah. But when Luke writes about Paul, it's it's filled it's filled with this admiration of, like, this guy is just the man. You know, he's yeah. just... Luke just sings Paul's praises. Paul, in Luke's estimation, is always the guy that gets knocked down and gets back up again. Mm-hmm. He he was the inspiration for <laughs> for Chumbawamba, tub <laughs> thumping. Oh man, I knew you were gonna go there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so so he's the, you know he just keeps getting back up and he just keeps advancing and like nothing can stop yeah. Paul. Yeah. The problem with that is when you read Paul's actual words about himself is like he's so Paul is so filled with weakness and he's, yeah, he's and he he's, boasts he's in his meek. weakness. Yeah, he's meek. He's he's humble. He thinks he doesn't think highly of himself. He at doesn't, all. and he also is he struggles. Like he he wrestles with things. He fights for joy and he gets joy and you know Philippians especially. But but he's fighting and striving and toiling internally yeah. for it. It's not this. Like pretty, pretty heroic picture that, right. that Luke just paints more simplistically. So, yeah, some... it's like when the sons of Sceva, like that's a, the picture of like Luke's admiration um, of of uh, of Paul is summarized with the sons of Sceva of like, you know, um, Jesus we know and Paul we've heard of. Yeah, but who are you? Who are you? Yeah. yeah, I was like, I was like, yeah, like he's he he really does love love him some Paul and rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So, like, what's the difference then, Matt, between yeah. like apostolic gifting? Yeah. All right, and then capital A apostle. Yeah, that's a great. And like, where would that? Um, where Where does Paul fall into that? Yeah, great question. Um, how does that work out? Great question. So, one last thing on Paul's perception of himself. I think the the cornerstone text of that. I don't know if that's the cornerstone. One of the cornerstone texts, First Corinthians fifteen, where Paul talks about the things of first importance and how Jesus appeared in his resurrection mm-hmm. to Peter and mm-hmm. to the, to the disciples mm-hmm. and then to groups of up to 500 people at a time. Mm-hmm. 
And then he says, last of all, to one untimely born. He's talking about himself. He doesn't consider himself to be in the same category as the 12. Mm -hmm. And I think that is like the nail in the coffin of this this line of thinking that Mm -hmm. he should have been the 12. It's like, well, Paul, who was clearly carried along by the Spirit, Mm -hmm. was an apostle, capital A, I believe, um, but not among the 12. Mm -hmm. Um, He did not consider himself to be the replacement for yeah. Judas Iscariot either. So that's where I think that that line of thinking, I've heard it, it's, it's out there, but I don't think it lines up. Paul's name will not be written on the foundational, uh, well, on the gates, probably it would be the gates are the apostles. The gates are the, uh, the gates were the tribes, the tribes and, the and the foundation of the apostles. In Revelation, yep. There we yep. Go. But the, so. Um, yeah, so but you asked a great question there. So you've got a passage in Ephesians 4, which is Paul writing this, where it says he's, um, Jesus has raised up, has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to the church for the equipping of the saints. Mm-hmm. So you've got these, what's sometimes called the fivefold office, mm-hmm. which are different giftings for different leaders in the church. Mm-hmm. The, that's, that's what we might call the lowercase a apostle. Right, right. A lowercase a apostolic gifting is someone who is pioneering mm-hmm. in advancing the gospel. So a lot of people that are, that are cross-cultural missionaries yeah. Yeah. We might put in the in the category of lowercase a apostles, church, church planters, church planters, yeah. people that are pioneering. They're they're part of pioneering works to see the gospel yeah. go forward. A lot of like like people who have like that starting entrepreneurial gifting. Yep. Um, like to, like to start things. Also, don't like to sit. Like That's right. Paul you know, Paul's a perfect example of yep. uh, someone who has an apostolic gifting as well as the office of apostle. Yeah. He's always starting things. You never see him staying for very That's long right. in That's one exactly place. Right. He's like, I gotta go play another church. That's right. I gotta go back to I gotta go back to you know Philippi. I've gotta go back to Ephesus. I've gotta go back to all of these places so yeah. I can check on people and, and raise leaders up, but like Yep. doesn't stay for more than really a couple of years in any any particular location. That's exactly right. And we and we even so so present day, so an example of that would be even someone that most of us know would be Steve Huber. Right. So Steve Huber has been part of planting churches for <laughs> over a couple decades now. Mm-hmm. And and he's he was he was instrumental in plant helping the, this church exist yeah. and helping us plant yeah. this. He did that in Philly several times before and mm-hmm. several times since, yeah. and that's his heartbeat: is just continue yeah. to see the, the gospel advance and to be part of the pioneering work of yeah. that here and and globally. He, yeah. He's involved in both, but but we would we would make kinds of crazy errors if we were to call Steve a capital A, a, capital a apostle. apostle. I, I struggle with the terminology anyway to just name sure. someone an apostle because of it's, the, the yeah. connotation. Right, right. Um, you have to you have to almost qualify it of like little a apostle every always, single time. If I ever say it, I will always say that something like that. Yeah. I will always yeah. say a lowercase a apostle. Yeah. It was really good though to see Steve Huber last night in the Super Bowl commercial um, <laughs> about like. Electric vehicles. Oh, yeah. yeah. Will Ferrell. Will, Will Ferrell looks, yeah, a, little Will like, uh-huh, looks a little like Steve now. Yeah. 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 Or, or, or vice versa. Or vice versa. Yeah, we're yeah. not sure. Yeah, we're, we're not, sure. not sure. But, uh, yeah, so capital A Apostle would be uh, the criteria there that's at the end of Acts 1 is a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Those that were witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. They had to be, um, they had to have seen the risen Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um at the end of Acts 1, they also lay out that they were with the 12 from the entire time that Jesus was baptized by John to the ascension. Mm-hmm. Now, here's like the, the, the exception. And there, there may be more than Paul, but, but at least Paul, I would also qualify, would classify um, as a capital A apostle because he did have a specific resurrection appearance of Jesus right. on the Damascus Road. Mm-hmm. 
in a specific commissioning, a direct personal commissioning. So we're all commissioned by Jesus to be right. those that, t- that are witnesses. Yep. Great commission. Great commission. It's for every every Christian. Yep. yep. And it just keeps passing on down what we see through the rest of the New Testament. That applies to all of the people mm-hmm. of God. But like Jesus never has shown up to me or you, especially in person, mm-hmm. and then said personally, John, you will I will show you what you will suffer for my name. Mm-hmm. I will you you will be my witness. Like there there's a personal It'd been really nice for him to let me know. Man. But yeah, right? That would have I mean did, has not. That same. Same. And there's a there's a different kind of personal commissioning as well as the resurrection appearance Absolutely. that Paul receives. And then going back to that 1 Corinthians 15 passage, mm-hmm. Paul does consider himself an apostle. He says, at last of all, mm-hmm. to one untimely born, he also appeared to, to me. He says in that in that passage, though, I am the least of the apostles. But so he's like, he yeah. is an apostle. He doesn't consider himself in the 12, but he does consider himself an apostle. And so I think yeah. that's where you see the the, the the distinction between the 12 and Paul, and yet Paul would still classify as a capital A yeah. apostle. Well, great questions, guys. And uh, again, really excited for us to be getting into uh, Acts with you. Send your questions to us. Yeah. Matt, always good. Yeah. Looking forward to, to it, man. Things, man. Likewise. Good to be back. All right. Well, hey, guys, have a great week, and we look forward to being with you.